Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to UAP Studies Podcast. This is actually our first recording of uh, January 2024. So we kicked in the, the year. I know we did a few episodes, Michael, before we um, uh, ended the, the the year. We took uh, December off. Yeah, we people, did. People thought we dropped off and like, no, we're, we're at work behind the scenes. And we got a plethora of guests uh, lined up over the next two and a half months, I think. Uh, some, some days you and I are doing two recordings a day. Yep. which is really good. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to um, seeing this grow even more. One thing I want to mention for the listeners is that we had to start a new YouTube channel. So if you were following us before on the previous channel, there was copyright claims uh, made against that from myself against something else. Anyways, we had to start a new um, a new channel. All the episodes are on there. Please subscribe and help us out on YouTube because uh, we need as much help as we can get right now. And we what is that channel? Uh, which UAP Studies podcast yeah. on YouTube is the only one out there. And UAP uh, Studies, what was the one that you had the copyright it, issue? Wait, it was UAP Studies podcast? Is just uh, former. Oh, there was with there the was literally guest. two of you. Uh, yeah, co-host. Yeah, um, okay. but yeah, it was copyright uh, issues, but it's all resolved now. We're back on track. Everything's back in my court, and uh, we're happy to get going. Which is the main thing was just to get back on track to continue uh, our. Our studying of this phenomenon, of course, with great people like our guest today, which is Stephen Bassett. Uh, you guys have most likely heard of him on his previous two visits on UAP Studies podcast. This is his third time here. And uh, Stephen Bassett, if you're not familiar with him, has been advocating for um, disclosure for a long freaking time, way before most everybody uh, in the field today has been doing it. He's been struck. He's an original pioneer in this field. And today, 2024, I think he's, he's reserved or deserved all of our respect because to be in the fight that long, I would have given up if I wasn't in this position, tell the truth, because uh, that would be way too much, but he's, he's a fighter and he kept fighting, which is great. And it's a, it's an inspiration to us uh, vying for, full transparency of our visitors or whoever they are um, and if for people to be aware of it. And the only way for people to be aware of it is for the people that we elect in government to acknowledge that what we're experiencing, what we're seeing is actually happening. We are seeing now that more and more people from the defense departments, military CIA are coming forward. They themselves are experiencers, abductees, witnesses, and it's really important to understand that these people are experiencing this as much as we are. They're not exempt from it. Jim Semivan, when he was working for the CIA, wakes up in the middle of the night and three entities take his wife. This stuff happens. And the, the, the most important part of it, even for politicians, but the most important part is to get the ball going, to get the discussion going, and for all of us to stick our heads out of the sand and look up when we should be looking. And Stephen Bassett, my man, seriously, you know, I always, uh, I admire you and I always love him when you come on the, on the podcast, because I could ask you one question and I'm going to get <laughs> all the answers that I need. I love you, it. You know, George Norrie has a story. He's told it at least 10 times. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, you know, what I do when, when I'm going to come on, he says, look, here's what, when Steve, when Steve comes on, what I do is I ask him a question and then. I leave the studio, I go up, I get myself a sub and a cup of coffee. Right? I come back about an hour yeah. and a half later. He's finishing up. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> you know what? That's, you know, you know what, it's Steve, not that bad, but still. 
you know what, Stephen? That, that's actually a good thing. Like, uh, you know, when you're doing podcasting like this, you interview like, I don't know, hundreds of people every year. Some people, it's like, you know, a, a Chinese torture just to try to get any information out of them. It's just like, you know, yeah, yeah some people are too like, yeah. hurt. They're too, too, too succinct in their answers. Well, a lot yeah. of people are, are, are limited in what they can say. They, 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 they will talk within certain, within certain lines because they want to be asked back. And yeah. I don't care. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not people that, that converse quite a bit. There's people that, you know, they might be good at investigating, but they're not good at talking about it, right? Which I totally understand. Uh, and I've I've learned to to work with that now. But when I first started, <laughs> it was rough. Like it's like a bad sweaty. date. Oh yeah. Oh, it is a bad date. That's like actually that's a perfect <laughs> analogy. That's exactly what it is. But you need to be, you know, you need to be generous because you, you, that's why you have activists. Activists yeah. are many things, but usually they are always uh, spokespeople. Not not even spokespeople. They are all. They're all. They're outspoken outspoken well it's not that it's their conversationalist they're messengers and they 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 are able to communicate yeah activists have to be communicators uh if if you want to move something forward you have to be able to communicate not just to a couple of geniuses up the hall or or your you know but rather to the general public to everybody yeah Uh, and and that's one of the things I'm able to do and why I'm still doing it. If I wasn't able to do it very well, I don't think I still be doing it. I would have. So if I can ask away. the, if I can yeah. ask the, the first, the first question, yeah, and first if there's question. like a one, one minute answer to this, how did you become an activist for this particular cause? I, I was always an activist. I just didn't do it. It's like the person that's, always knew that they were a rock guitarist you know, they never they never picked up the guitar but you know i came of age i turned 18 in 1964 uh, as the vietnam war took off really took off and so that's that's the years when you're becoming an adult when you're you leave home you're independent you're trying to engage the world and what i was seeing was basically the beginning of one of the greatest fiascos in the history of america yeah. catastrophe uh and i i watched it and i was not happy i was a military kid i grew, grew up in a navy family you know i i had model ships and stuff and all that good stuff suddenly i'm seeing things i don't like so eventually i i dabbled a little bit in the anti-war movement but then that that was the 60s and then the early 70s this was the sexual revolution, the civil rights movement, the women in power movement, the anti-war movement. And so there was movements everywhere. And so I'm sort of dabbling. I'm there and I'm 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 with it. I I I I appreciate it. But my life was not together. I, I so I couldn't really join in, you know. It's like people would like to donate money. Unfortunately, they don't have any money, so they're not able to donate it. Uh but my sensibilities were were born during that era from 64 uh all the way through right right uh, of course i'd already watched as a teenager the assassination of kennedy i i watched the cuban missile crisis uh these were interesting times for those you know for those of you that aren't old enough to have enjoyed them so i was always an activist 
but I just did not pursue it. So it was there, but I didn't manifest it. And so I went about living my life, which really didn't amount to hell of a lot, to be honest with you. To be honest with you, I just didn't do much. I stayed out of jail, stayed off drugs. To start, to start. Work, worked out a lot, got a lot of sun, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, I, there are people that they start taking up surfing when they're six, 15, 12 or 13 years old never move away from the beach and are still surfing at 75. I'm not going to say that they didn't accomplish something, right? But in in, in my late 40s, I realized it was either do, if you're going to do something meaningful, you better do it now. And and by that, I didn't mean, well, get a good paying job and, and build up a 401k so you can retire to Tampa. No, 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 no. I meant if you're going to do something meaningful. And at that particular time, I had read certain books that had increased my interest in a subject that I was well aware of my whole life. And that was the UAP reality, the ET reality. What were those books? The book, that, the book that turned me into an activist for real was John Mack's book, Abduction. That was it. I, I've told the story countless times. All I can say is read John Mack's book, Abduction, and, and consider it's 1995. I have it here, Michael. I could send it. I could mail it out to you there. Yeah, yeah a Harvard professor who had decided I, I I'm going to study this field. I'm going to 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 work with contactees. I'm going to try to understand them, and I'm going to see if we can write some some scientific papers on this. And he set up an organization to do it, and I'm going. Well, this is a man well ahead of his time in terms of an academic. He wasn't ahead of Bud Hopkins. He wasn't hmm. ahead of David Jacobs, right? Who was also an academic. But Harvard trained psychologist, head of psychiatry at Cambridge Hospital. Whoa. I said, this is a breakthrough. And of course, and, and when I had read, when I read Betty, the Betty and Barney Hill story in 1966, I think it was Look Magazine. And I'm, it's 1966, right? I'm 20 years old. I read it. I go, of course, this is extraterrestrial. That's the only explanation what's happening here, Right. Uh, it was completely believable. Well, and actually, so, on, on that vein, Stephen, yeah, what uh, just because of the you, you mentioned you were writing it at the time, I've, 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 that's just brought a good question in my mind. But what were people saying at the time? Did they believe it happened the same as you? Or what were people saying in 1966 well, when this happened? I, I didn't. I didn't go running around asking them. Right. We didn't jump into the field. And I people just, weren't really just, talking about it back then anyways, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I saw the 1966 articles and I don't I don't know if the next time I read something about abduction again, it might have been 20 years. <laughs> but it was it was an it was an interesting thing by Look magazine. They did that article. It was a, it they did it straight. It was straight journalism. And it it told the story in I think a appropriate way and I had no had no religious or political or or really cultural bias. I simply read it. I was a smart kid. I wish I was smarter. I was smart enough. And I said, this is extraterrestrial. I can't wait for the government to tell me more. Okay. So that was 1966. So when I'm reading Mac, nearly 29 years later, and I'm saying, wow, I've been hearing things and, you know, odd things here and there, but this thing has matured. And I said, this issue is going to be the most important issue in the history of the human race. And it's still pretty infant. It wasn't like, you know, people were having to line up 
to get it to get to to interview for a job there was nothing and i and i realized something that i wish i had known when i was younger it's a lesson that every kid should learn by the time they're 13 and that is there is nothing you can't get involved with if you're willing to volunteer nothing there's almost no subject nuclear physics hey volunteer for an anti-nuke group right right and the next thing you know you're dealing with nuclear physics um pick any field there isn't there is a way in if you're willing to volunteer and work that way and if you do good work you may end up being hired i did not understand that as a kid it was traditional i simply read i went through the friggin classified ads looking for jobs god i wish i'd known that but in 1996 95 rather i understood that and so i called them up because i had their number and i said and i and i said I've got some skills. I'm willing to work for free. Can I come out and work for you? And they said, yeah. And that put me right into the heart of this issue on January the 26th of 1996 when I arrived in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And they allowed me to stay there for four months. God bless them. And you called John Mack's office? What now? You called John Mack's office? Is that I called, called his? I called the organization he created to deal oh, with contact okay. program for extraordinary experience research. And I, I didn't talk with John. I talked with the, the the executive manager, director, and she she agreed to let me come out. I met John. I met contactees. It was one hell of an introduction to the field, but it wasn't the fit. It, it, I I didn't really have the the background and the skills to be to be a, a, a you know a paid part of this. But it was while I was there that I realized what I could do, and what I could do is be the first lobbyist in the history of the United States and enter the activist arena with that. And since there was no competition for that job, that's why I was the first, because it didn't pay. It was more volunteers. I don't was. think they would have paid, no. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. That's how I became an activist. And, uh, and, and, and meaning that's how I found who I really was. And when you find who you really are in this life, and I think that because of the sum and total of your background and everything you've read and, and all the things that have made you, you very, I think a very limited number of people are able to have that privilege, that gift. Uh, it's sad. I wish we had a, an education system and wish we had a parental system where hmm. the vast majority of kids could really end up finding out who they are and pursue that. But it is rare. And I was very lucky. I found it. And that's why it was, it has not been difficult to stick with this for the last 20, 20 years. years. The, um, the abduction, I would say that for myself too, like, uh, you know, obviously UFOs mm -hmm. interest me. I've had close encounter, um, but it's the entities themselves that I've always been obsessed with. I don't, I, I like the crafts. Don't get me wrong. I'm impressed with them, but the crafts are nothing. They're peanuts compared to what their home world looks like. Right. If their crafts look like that or wherever it is they're from, imagine what other technologies they have. The entities themselves I've been obsessed with. And I don't obviously now we're just trying to acknowledge to the public that we have cars in the skies, but we don't admit there's drivers in the cars. That's a long ways away. Oh no, and, no, 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 no. Well, abduction, I meant I meant abduction. Yeah, yeah. It's been informally confirmed. Yeah, but the abduction phenomenon I meant. We have the yeah. people that drive them, okay? Yeah. Goodbye. That's now informally confirmed. All that's left is for the president to confirm it. That's how far along we are. Just something you said earlier. 
when a when a 30 year career CIA oh man right who who's worked in you know the intelligence right? he was head of one of the intelligence section comes forward publicly and says I'm a contactee we are in a different place than we were in 1966 that's true it's that not that's everybody true. has caught up with that fact all right okay it's like the cruise boat has already docked in Puerto Vallarta but somebody down in the fifth deck below you know is conked out because they had too much weed and they sleep through the whole you know the whole portage and never get to go on on, on shore they're not aware but once they come up to the top deck they're going to realize oh we've arrived i think i shall depart and enjoy myself that's where things are the number of people that are figuring this out that we're already here every day is increasing by hundreds of thousands if not millions every single day in the planet yeah. So you you said that all we have left is for the uh, the president to acknowledge it. Is that sort of like your concept of disclosure or the thing that you're driving at? That is, is disclosure. Is the, the president to acknowledge a thing and then yeah, it I is created I, I created that word. It's my word. I trademarked it. I have all kinds of rights to it. Um, disclosure with a capital D, the proper noun. You see, um, let's see. What's, uh, a valentine is a small v. Mm -hmm. valentine's day is a capital b and there's a big difference between the two ours up there small d disclosure is the re re revealing and the process of learning about this phenomenon that goes all the way back to 1946 if not the 47 if not sooner and will continue on for the rest of the human race's life in a span small d disclosure right capital d disclosure is what i i the term i i, I developed and pushed for 20 some years since 2000 at least is an event it's it's an event it's columbus day mm -hmm. it's confirmation day except confirmation day i don't like it right and just cd I don't, I don't like it disclosure because it fits so much into the language of this the history of this issue is an event capital d it is the instant that a head of state confirms to the the people of that country and thus to the world because that's the way it works now that there is a non-human almost certain extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race now if not going back thousands of years that's disclosure that's the goal of this whole thing for me and increasingly i believe it's the goal for others the key goal right once you get disclosure everything changes Hundreds and hundreds of doors that have been locked, you can't get through. Kem got the key. We pounded on them. We kicked them. Can't get through. Those doors suddenly become openable. And by that, and I like this analogy I've been using lately, think of disclosure as a master key. It's a key that fits all those doors. And so one key opens up a thousand doors. And depending upon which door you go through, you're dealing with something. You go through another door, you're dealing with something else. Right now, those doors are closed. And that's why we're in the situation we're in. So many options, so many threads, so many roads, so many possibilities are closed off. And we can't yeah. go there, yeah. right? Pick something. We can't go there. Nuclear, nuclear, the reduction of nukes, can't go there. Feeding the homeless, can't go there. Cleaning up the oceans, can't go there. Global warming, can't touch it. And on and on and on and on and on. 
We can't go almost anywhere. We're stuck. We are literally locked in to an end times type situation <coughs> that we've spent many, many years getting to. In other words, this. So why is disclosure the master life. key? Why, why is it? Why is disclosure the master key? Why is it the thing that will sort of like generate both both the public will and the access to solutions to all of these massive problems that seem sort of unrelated in some ways, but like they're at least all very important. Why why is disclosure the thing? That is the $64,000. That's a great question. I think that Bryce Abel and Richard Dolan sort of go there in their book, but I, I think I tend to go further. I need to to write a book about the post-disclosure world, but I'm both lazy, old, and distracted. I have a title. I have a title for your book. I thought it of the, of you the other month. I'll tell Hold you. Later. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. You know, you don't want to say it publicly because if you do, it's gone, baby. You gotta it gone? It I'll, 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 I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's not easy. It's not a simple answer. You have to think about it. But every problem. The human race faces problems, a lot of problems. And essentially, it's the whole human race, all 8 billion of us. Mm. That's a lot of people, by the way. And they're all facing these problems one way or another. Okay? All right. It, it, even if a problem, if you're living in like Tasmania, right, and there's something going on over in China, you're, you don't feel too connected to it as you may if you're living in Taiwan. All right? However, I assure you that that problem, which is one of 10,000 problems, the China-Taiwan problem, has the potential to really upset your apple cart if you live in Tasmania. Okay, If there is a genocide going on in Yemen and the neighboring country, and you live in Canada, eh, you know, what, 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 what could affect me? Probably not. In the moment, it will eventually, if it's not dealt with and it's not being dealt with, it's one of those doors you can't go through. It's gener generating a lot of pain and suffering and angry people who are joining terrorist organizations. The Canadian prime minister will say the wrong thing one day. And the next thing, a car bomb goes off in a shopping center in Toronto. And I can go on and on and on and on. There is no door closed to us now that is preventing us from dealing with a plethora of major problems we face that won't one way or another affect every person on the planet. Okay, which means that all 8 billion people should be somewhat motivated to deal with this stuff. Right? Like, let's deal with it. This one is really important. Let's fix that. But boy, let's help fix that over there or whatever. Okay. But they're not doing it. They're not. They're just not. Let me finish. This is a complicated Absolutely. question. Let me give you a complicated answer. So, whoa. How are we going to change that? I mean, it's like, it's like in the United States. Only about 50% of the people vote. How are we going to fix that? In Australia, 95% of the people vote. There's other countries that are up there. We don't vote here. How are you going to fix that? Okay. 
So, and I can go on and on. You've got leaders who are willing to invade other countries and kill women and children. And the citizens of the country that they lead, huge numbers of them, they applaud. Oh, this is good. This is good. How are you going to fix that? So, this is where it gets interesting. The collective decision of the human race, decision-making process of the human race, the collective decision-making process of the citizens of a nation, of the members of a faith, which could be a billion people, is all connected directly to their world view. Right? Their world view. You got one, I got one, and every person on this planet has one. This is this general perception of the world, our place in it, what we care about, what we don't care about, what we're willing to do and not willing to do. It's some of the information, knowledge, and experience. It's unique for every single person, which is why you're supposed to say thank you and please and excuse me, right? And not be an asshole because every single worldview is different. However, worldviews tend to be similar in obviously very defined groups. And so if you, if you uh, and then probably the most extreme example of this is the entire population of North Korea. There's probably no, no, no group of people on the planet with a more, uni, you, you, what's the word I mean? You, um, uni, unified? Un, yeah. You, 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 uh, un, not unified, but unified. Anyway, singular kind of worldview, right? The, the overall consistency, because they've literally, almost all of them been raised in the same circumstance under an extreme authoritarian rule. But it's also true. Take the Catholic faith. You, you, across the Catholic faith, you have some similarities of worldview. Okay, so we know that. And that's okay. So given that, there are conglomerations of worldview that are similar right and there's a bunch of those around the world but you've got problems that are going to require the entire human race to address or rescrew you have to come up with a way to change the worldview of all 8 billion of them whether they're in North Korea whether they're a Catholic or a Muslim whether they're a Russian citizen, right? Whether they're black or white or in between, whether they're smart or, or dumb or not so smart, educated, not educated, you have to come up with a way to alter the worldview of all 8 billion people. And if you could do that, do you understand, based on what I just said, the power, the implications of possibilities when suddenly the worldview of all 8 billion people has been altered in a positive way, right? It's like everybody reads, you know, uh, M. Scott Peck's The Road, all 8 billion at the same time, The Road Less Traveled, right? And read it and go, oh, and a light goes off in their head and they're, oh my God, uh, it would be kind of like that. You could pick any number of books. It's a truly okay. fantastic book, though. That's a, I, I love a fantastic that book. book. And imagine yeah. if all 8 billion people read it at the same time, on the same day, 
and had a kind of a revelation in their head and their in their mind and their worldview was changed and they go oh wait a minute i'm doing things wrong isn't it that possible though that that what would be revealed would divide people even more i mean we don't know what the fundamental truth behind the, the sort of uap we know phenomena a lot are. About what's behind it no no we and, know a lot about what's behind it that's, do, that's and you again, think we know enough to know that it would be a unifying thing rather than that it would just divide people because i'm not so optimistic can you sell me on the optimistic idea that when we when we expose whatever the truth may be people are going to come together rather than than split apart more well that's a very very legitimate uh secondary question without question no question right so yeah and i'm glad you asked it because uh i'm sometimes accused of being too pollyannish overly optimistic if not repetitive um and I said, this is a complex answer, right? How could it not be when you consider what we're dealing with and the problems that we face, okay? So the point I'm making is that if it were possible to impact the worldview of everybody on the planet, in again, in, in, a, in a similar way, in other words, this this everybody is going to learn the same thing at the same time, and it has huge implications. And again, that analogy is very cool. M. Scott Peck books was fantastic. If everybody read it on the same day, and they all got you know changed in a kind of the same direction because of the positive me the messages in that book, you would have a huge effect worldwide. And people would say, "Well, absolutely, great book. Nothing wrong with that book, right? Where's the downside?" Well, everybody's not going to read M. Scott Peck on the same day. So here is where it gets real. Disclosure will be the most profound piece of information the human race will ever hear. At least it will, will have hit here, uh, will ever heard, right? Something may surpass it in the future. I, I, I Who knows? But up until now, it's the most profound piece of information the human race is ever going to get. And on the on disclosure takes place, they will all get it in the same week. Within one week, you'll have to be living in the heart of the Amazon jungle or in a cave, right? And not have gotten that information. It will go worldwide because we have the power now to do that. And so in the span of seven days, every single person on the planet, with a few exceptions, will, will learn that we are not alone. There are other civilizations, not just microbes somewhere floating somewhere or on some moon a million light years away. No. Multiple civilizations and a number of those civilizations are engaging us now. And we have technology related to those ETs. All of that they will learn in the span of a week. And now the point I'm making is that if in fact the, the core information that we will eventually get from that in relatively short order is positive in the direction of dealing with the issues that we face, if it opens the doors that I'm talking about and makes it possible to go through hundreds of doors that have been closed to us. And these doors are between us and taking uh, uh, action. In other words, in, in other words, we need to fix something 
But in order to fix it, we got to we got to open this door and go through. Suddenly we open the door, we go through. If it does that, it could trigger the greatest age of reform in the history of this planet, in the history of the human race. In other words, what you have is eight billion people thinking sufficiently different about their place in the universe, their place in the world, the relationship between human beings uh, on this planet, and many other things. Those, All of those considerations are going to be changed. Now, it'll vary from person to person. Some people will be transformed. In the days following disclosure, you're going to have some individuals that are literally going to be on fire intellectually and emotionally. They're going to be transformed. I mean, they're literally going to be different people. The best example I can give for that, it's not exactly a perfect analogy, but it's pretty cool. And, and you, everybody knows about this because it's been well written. An individual will have a certain worldview and a certain lifestyle. And then they have a near-death experience. They nearly die. They go through the tunnel. They see light. Suddenly they're seeing relatives or whatever. And they wake up. They come back into... In, in, uh, they're, they're, they're never fully dead. But they suddenly wake up. And they are completely transformed. They are not the same people at all. We know about this. And there's other examples of this. So some people will actually have something on that level. Others, not so much. Others, less and less. But nobody is going to be unaffected. And so you don't have to have 100, 200, 500, a billion people suddenly changed into totally different human beings ready to change the world and fix everything. And by that, when I say people, I'm talking about everybody, which includes leaders of nations, heads of military, right? Really evil people trying to decide how they can screw up the world more. Just, but people, but includes them. You don't have to have that much. What you need is a relatively significant shift in worldview across a huge number of people, right? Eight billion to be effective. So when you even have a modest change of view, amongst across that number of people suddenly things that were impossible can become possible now to answer your question look I, I i admit that disclosure capital d which will be a major event exciting a lot of people learning that we're not alone learning that we have tech learning to being visited is going to be very exciting and then comes the post-disclosure world which starts the next day, right? The post-disclosure world, the disclosure small d process, which has been going on, well, certainly since 47, right? It's going to accelerate. Oh, it's going to really accelerate in many ways. One, you see all those books behind me? That's just a fraction of the number of books that have been written on this subject. Suddenly, everything in those books is going to be reconsidered. And what historians and scientists will learn is that a major portion of everything in those books is true. And so they're going to be disclosing and revisiting all of the work that's been done by the citizen scientists since 1947 and bringing that into play. What and do you think, think is true? What do you think that we, what do you think it is that we, we do know that will be disclosed um, and what are the things that you're not sure about that you think are kind of open questions that we're, we need I, to look, figure I could out? I can do that. But again, I got to finish this point, man. You've asked the key question and I okay. want this to be, be full. 
So in addition to that, the scientific world is going to be completely freed up to start looking at this subject in every way. Right? Um, and so that's going to be a small, more small D disclosure. But most importantly, the governments of the world, everyone that has got information available, uh, classified information related to this is going to start pulling it out. Not everything all at once. But you're mm. going to start seeing information coming out of the U.S., the U.K., possibly even China and Russia. Every nation that's got some stuff on this classified is going to start bringing it out. And over the next years, we're going to learn a tremendous amount we didn't know, but the government did know. OK, that's a lot of information coming out. All right. So. It is possible. That as that information emerges. The truth of it, the implications of it, is going to be negative worldview change. In other words, instead of creating a worldview change that moves us towards dealing with our problems, it is a worldview change that is very dark, very negative, that is driving people away from the issue, putting them in a frame of mind, I don't give a damn anymore, or I'm not going to fix anything right? Because we're all doomed or whatever. There is the possibility that the information as it becomes more robust may actually be a net negative in terms of moving us where we have to go. And my answer to that question, and this is the end of my answer, is this. We don't have a choice. There is nothing else. Nothing even in the big distance that the, the next possibility is a, such a distant second second place you need a web telescope to find it right we do not have any other choice and so we have to hope to god that the disclosure event and the confirmation of the et presence which may be followed and let's don't forget by open contact which is a whole nother matter in terms of worldview change and implications for the human race that's it. And so we either do that or we start putting our affairs in order. Not that there'll be anybody to care. So you have no choice. And so I'm saying, folks, here's what I think. This is what we got to do. If you've got an alternative approach, I'd love to hear it. Right? Let me tell. If you don't, then let's get on with this. Let's get on with disclosure and move into the post-disclosure world. There so you go. The the one thing that <clears throat> Steve, you've been you've been investigating this and and covering this and reading about this for decades. And here's the thing for me: I I, I look at disclosure as a Trojan horse. The gates open, yeah. The horse comes in. Everybody, oh my god, where did this come from? Where'd you get it? It's amazing. I told you it was real. Oh my god. But the problem with the Trojan horse, we know that there comes with a bunch of baggage because stuff is going to come out of the Trojan horse that's going to be bad. First of all, people are going to start wondering, how long did you know about this? Sure. Why did you keep it secret? And then the crimes, Stephen, the amount of crimes that are involved behind this is atrocious. Like from everything that we've read, it's not only lying to the public, but you and I have been looking at the abduction phenomenon and these people are not believed. They are, uh, most of the time they get a visit from somebody who tells them to shut up. 
Um, there's murders behind this too. People have gone missing. Look at what they did at Lazar. He was just a scientist. Do you think there's not other scientists that got whacked? This is a Trojan who, horse. Who are you referring to there? Uh, well, Bob Lazar, right? When he came well, he, out. He's not been whacked. I mean, no, still- but when he was working at S4, the Russians had come up with something. They discovered something. And within 24 hours, the Russians were taken. They, they went missing. They disappeared. That's when they handed him a gun. I hear you. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying, there are crimes, even as some investigators I talked about, they've been uh, bullied by the defense department. The thing is, is that we could say, oh, wow, disclosure is finally here. But wait a minute, you guys, and how long have you had this Trojan horse? And now they're saying, well, we built other Trojan horses out of it. Yes. But what about the accountability for all those things? I think what happens is that if, if it's a hard disclosure D, right? Yeah. It's perjury. They're incriminating themselves because they have to admit to everything that's been going on. All the every single time that they said, shut up, don't talk about it. It was a crime against us, right? I agree that we need disclosure, but I think disclosure is not going to be the Trojan horse that we expected. It's going to be like a, a bowl where you're not trying to uh, uh, disturb the, the sediments in it. So you can't pour water directly into it. You have to seep it from the ground up because that's the only way people are going to accept it. It has to seep into society, not I, just dumped on it. That's I my thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen that way. And it's not going to be the problem you think. Let me try to put things. Fingers crossed. Fingers, okay. yeah. First of all. Are you saying that because you you think you know like uh, actual facts about like the content of disclosure? I don't mean you think you know in a sort of pejorative sense, but like – do you do you have in your in your head a sort of uh, a detailed idea of what disclosure would actually entail? What set of facts yeah, would I do. be released? I do have a yeah. pretty good idea. I've been talking about it for a long time, uh, and I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I haven't heard a, a, a better scenario from anyone. Right? Uh, they they may speak in very general terms or a particular thing, but in terms of a general schematic for how this is going to go, no. And I need to write it up. I need to do something on that. But look, first of all, let's put things in perspective. All right. It's, the, the policy of disclosure was a national security policy initiated in 47. It's been legal from day one. Period. Legal. All right. Um, the Vietnam War was basically legal. Why? Because they, 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 they well, actually, no. Well, it's it's questionable because they actually didn't. Well, it was no war. Yeah, we, we yeah, didn't. But they, but they had a they had a resolution, and I forget what it was. But sure. yeah, you know, but that's uh, a bad analogy. Let me just say that. it was illegal. Uh, the Manhattan Project was legal, right? Keeping our nuclear weapons secrets is legal. Keeping secret where our submarines are are legal. Okay, national security covers a lot of territory, and it's it begins with the National Security Act in 1947. Okay, so this 90% of the whole crime thing is just out the window. Now, in the process of exercising national security matters, governments do commit, quote, crimes, extrajudicial killings and things like that. And even in those cases, the idea that, well, you know, you've committed a crime and you're going to have to pay for it. No. If we execute a, a Russian spy extrajudiciously, I assure you, nobody is going to go to prison down the line. We commit, and, and that's point one. And point number two, 
compared to what other things we have done as a nation. If you want to compare the truth embargo and its management and enforcement for 75 years to the other things we have done during those periods, it's not even in the same universe. All right. Crimes. From the standpoint of, I guess you could say, unacceptable, immoral, also criminal at times, disgraceful, outrageous, disgusting, horrific. The Vietnam War in and of itself is a thousand times worse than everything they have done with respect to this issue. Can I try to make Jason's point a different way and see how you respond to that? When, and I can pick comes... five other things that are, are in that category. We have the United States has dropped more bombs on other countries than all of the other That's countries true. combined. That's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. We have killed untold numbers. I, I, it's in the millions. Okay. In service to our national security, is part of the proxy wars that have gone on. Russia's done it. China, not so much. Right. And so we slaughter people. And 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 we and we have committed other crimes, financial crimes. We've polluted nations. We've we've we've, we've uh uh you know uh, exercised coups and removed leaders that we didn't like. We have got crimes up the yin yang. Compared to that, the mistakes, intentional and otherwise and possible criminal acts regarding the truth embargo are tiny. All so, right. So let, let me try to re reframe it then. So Jason's point, um, I, 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 I like your response. And I think that Jason is not talking so much about specific crimes or like specific laws that have been, um, been broken, but the sort of general crime of withholding something so important from us. And of course you're saying, look, we've done such, so much more awful shit that like it doesn't even compare i think one important difference though is that um the decisions that were made in vietnam let's say the pentagon papers come out and it's all like all this this stuff is is now public and and people know that america has done awful sorts of things right the people in the cia now can can freely admit it because they weren't part of it ever Right there, there's some phasing out of the people who were involved who actually did the awful thing. But mm -hmm. disclosure isn't like that. At any point, if the government did really know something important that people felt they had a moral right to know and that was being withheld from them, whenever it's disclosed, the people who are in government are always people who are themselves culpable for it. They can't just mm -hmm. freely say like, "Oh, that was the people before us. We can talk about it now." So that's one reason. But why they're I more think guilty, it'll, Michael. It'll still... They're more guilty today than they were in the past. No, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. that's why they, they can't say, down, like, right? oh, it's like, no big deal. They didn't know in 47 what they were, but they know now. They didn't know the technology, but they know now. It had to build up yeah. to what it is now. So it, it is a worse crime now because of the buildup of information than in 1947 when he had no idea what it was. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I think you're That's my argument. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I think I, you, I, you didn't hear me. It wasn't a crime to begin with. But a moral crime. We don't have to say crime, okay. but it was, whoa, 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 a, it was a moral whoa, whoa, whoa. offense. We're getting moral crimes, off. my friend. We're often we're often uh, the boonies. All right, I, I, I I'm not going to go there. Right? No, no, no. But but he's <laughs> saying that it will just piss the public off so bad that they will want to hold the government accountable for having now, withheld the, 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 information. Here's the point that's being made here. 
that like set the government did things so awful, so terrible that even the world learning that the that the 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 the, the, the truth that we're not alone is going to be kind of diluted down to not being important because of all of the anger towards that. Right. And it's simply not true. It is not true at all. First of all, there's 8 billion people on this planet. Only 330 million, 60, 30, what is it? 330, I think three, live here. Yeah, America's okay. 330 million. That's yeah. it. That, that is, what is that? That is, hang on. Uh, it's amazing though how many people 4% of the world's people live here, right? And so they weren't even part, they, they weren't even subject to the truth embargo as conducted by the United States, though their their countries did participate in the truth embargo. But by and large, nobody's trying to say that France has committed the same moral crimes that we have. No, it's the United States is a tiny portion of the world. But but it gets, it's better than this. It was a legal policy to begin with. Right. And so it's just the, 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 the criminality issue, the moral issue is really not that big a deal. It it can be if you if you want it to be and you want to focus on it. But in the in the moments after disclosure, I assure you, very few people are going to care. Period. They're just not going to care. But those that do have a point. Let's address that. Okay. Jason will care. I know so, that dude. So <laughs> he'll be uh, mad at specific people for not having is, told him. I angry yeah, I mean, yeah, angry emails so are going out. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the, the history does, is 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 going to be served by by these massive changes that are going to go not 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 by somebody winning a lawsuit against NASA because they you know they 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 didn't use any gravitic drive. So, but let, let's let's go further. Let's clarify this a little bit more. So, the and this is an important point. This is an important point. What the government has is a problem that they are they are working to serve and mitigate, and I think they will successfully mitigate most of it, right? The problem they have is still not a serious threat to the post-disclosure world, okay? Meaning, oh my God, we're not alone. I'd love to respond to that, but I'm so pissed off at the truth embargo that I'm just going to say the hell with it. No, it's not going to happen that way. But the government has a problem and it's a public relations problem. And that's a legitimate thing. In other words, you've been lying for 76 years. You have you've undermined research. You have taken possibly in the earliest days some executive action. But I assure you, the number of people that perished because of that was like, could be on the fingers of both hands and nothing compared to what we've done elsewhere. So let's just not get carried away with that. All right. Might even have been legitimate. Could have been somebody that was determined to go and tell the Russians about uh, our, our UAP activity or research or something like that literally was a spy. And they literally had to take executive action because they were on their way to Moscow. Who the hell knows? I'm just saying it's not much. All right. So. But it's still a public relations problem. And they've always known that. They've always known that when they are finally forced to acknowledge the truth about something that everybody knows about in one way or another, it's not a secret. The extraterrestrial presence has never been a secret, right? You can't 
make something a it's like it's like trying to it, say that classify the sun and if we're classifying the sun and from now on the existence of the sun is a national security matter uh, it doesn't exist and people say oh well that's quite a secret it's not a secret that's why i changed the term to embargo and use embargo embargo doesn't mean that cuba doesn't exist it just means it's there but you can't go there that has been the policy all along. They put out a press release in, 19, in the July of 47 saying they had a craft. It was put out in the newspapers. You can find the articles. That's not a secret. It is an embargo. And so they have pursued this policy very aggressively and successfully kept it embargoed for 76 years. The real concern one of the most important concerns about that is more along the lines of what Stephen Greer has put a great deal of emphasis on and recently did a film on called The Lost Century. And this gets into a very, very complicated area that I have talked about on occasion. And somebody really much smarter than me is going to write this book and so I'll I'll go I'll go here for a second because it will provide an in interesting angle on this. But there is a there are a number of books out there that I think they're I forget they're called historical recreations or historical reenactments or something. I forget there's a term for them. But what they are is they they write an ent entire book about a historical outcome that's not what happened. But what could alternative history? Yeah, alternative history. Alternative history. One of the one of the one of the ones that has gotten the most attention is by A.B. Dick, and it was the it was the book called uh, "Man in the High Castle," and they made it into an unbelievably good series. That's a great right? show, and it was about it. what would it have been fantastic. like if yeah. Germany and Japan had successfully won the war. Okay, and there's this whole you know great. And, and obviously it creates for all kinds of interesting possibilities and so forth. Okay, somebody is going to write a book. I wish I was, I wish I had the uh, to do it, but in which one week after General Ramey gets the, the, the materials confirming the wreck, Truman tells him instead of you've got to fix this now, something like that was said to him. He didn't do it on his own. I can assure you, give us a week to consider this. I'm going to talk with all the top people. I'm going to talk with my cabinet, I'm going to talk with the you know, Department of Defense. Um, give us one week to think about this and we'll get back to you. And, and Truman comes back and says, look, we're going to go ahead and acknowledge this. Uh, this phenomenon has been seen for all through 46 right the foo fighters in 45 my people have known about that i've been informed about that obviously these things are not going away and they and they, they said go ahead we're going to confirm and truman right in 47 early august holds a big press conference and acknowledges that we have a, a craft of non-human origin and we have the bodies of those pilots and they're not from the planet earth and we get disclosure in early August or late July of 1947. What would the, the rest of the 20th century have been like? And this, this is, is Greer's movie is explores this. Okay. What would it have been like? 
And it is a legitimate question, an important question that Greer addresses in, in uh, the lost century. And it's going to be addressed by a lot of people. In other words, there's going to be many, many takes on this. But this, the second half of the 20th century was a catastrophe. And people say, well, what do you mean? You mean the first half of the 20th century wasn't a catastrophe? Yeah, that was bad. World War I was pretty ugly, pretty nasty. And you had a massive plague that killed millions that partially came from that war because it was the filthiest, dirtiest war ever, Can't you know, ever imagine. fought, yeah. right? And it was fought before we had the proper drugs to deal with uh, a pandemic. And then World War II, oh my God, that was really bad. Very bad. Uh, and there were other things happening during that time. The population of the planet still managed to go from 2 billion to like 4 billion, I think, right? Or 1.8, right? I mean, not that many people, really. If we'd stopped right there, it would have been pretty good. We kind of everybody be taken care of now. Whatever. The first half was was pretty bad. The second half was worse. It was a catastrophe of unimaginable proportions. Why? The population doubled to eight billion. We entered into a Cold War, which was basically World War Three, only much more expensive. Okay, much more expensive. We built the most dangerous weapons in the world, threatening the very existence of humanity, which then opened up the basis for proxy wars, meaning the major nuclear powers can't fight each other. And since they can't fight each other, if I want to go invade some country that doesn't have nukes, kill everybody, you can't do anything about it. All right. And so we've got wars and wars and wars and wars slaughtering people in the millions while the population grows we spent god knows how many hundred trillion dollars on war and defense and weapon design and everything else hundreds of trillions of dollars while the, the human race expanded to eight billion leaving hundreds of billions of people without enough food clothing shelter water and toilets i'm not entirely convinced though that it would have gotten a ton but i'm not sure i see how disclosing those facts would have changed anything. I mean, it would, may, may have expanded people's sort of understanding of our place in the universe or something, well, but that's the specific why this book... there's like specific historical conditions that are, that, that cause particular wars to arise. And, and those conditions might've been, might've still been there. Um, Again, so I want... You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not grasping the concept of paradigm shift. Okay, it's like it's like saying, um, you know, I don't see how the, the discovery of general special and general relativity, right, in the early 1900s, could really have changed anything, right? Looking back, right, of course it did transform science. These paradigm shifts are not they're non-trivial things; they're massive, they're incredibly sure. powerful. Sure, and but so, you're not you're not just saying that that it would have changed things. I agree it would have changed some things, but you're saying it would have changed things in specific ways. Like we would not have had wars or something, or like I we would have had peace. I am How saying do you get that, that specific change out of that paradigm change? Is that is my that view. Changed. And I believe that that there are those that are going to analyze it and they're going to come to those conclusions, but it is a extremely complicated thing. All right. In other words, how can I put it? You know, it's all it's early August and Truman has confirmed the ET presence. It goes around the world. Within a week, everybody knows 
that the U.S. has got at least one crash vehicle from from elsewhere and bodies, uh, and that we're not alone. And if if anybody challenges it, we'll just bring the damn craft out and show it to them. But in fact, we've learned now that there may have been other crashes, and other countries may have had similar uh, vehicles. But in general, remember, the ETs have been around for a long time, but whatever. So the world now knows we're not alone. Now, this happens in 47. The Soviets have not tested the atom bomb yet. They haven't tested a hydrogen bomb yet, right? We have a limited number of nukes in our arsenal, more than than Truman was told because they wanted him to drop those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, okay? And so now, Soviet Union, United States, China, is in another place altogether. All of their citizens know we're not alone in the universe. There's other species, other technologies. And then all of the decisions that they're going to make from that point forward will have to include that knowledge, that understanding. But aren't you saying they already have that knowledge? Aren't you saying that like all the people who are running governments like already basically know this stuff, they're hiding it from us, but they're no, still making the very decisions? very very few people in the world knew this well let's 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 go to let's go to to vietnam then i mean certainly by then you think that lots of world leaders know that there's an et president i mean you're 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 pretty um sold on the et interpretation of uap i'm not totally sold on it yet well, um, that would that would be a struggle for you. That I mean, everything um, I'm saying but, would be would be. But it, it makes sense to me. I'm just I I I have I have other other options in in my mind. But um, if they're if they already know this, um, why why are they still making war and all that? Like why why haven't they ushered in this era of peace? If they're the decision makers and they have the access to the very knowledge, you think okay. is going to just like radically you, change the, the entire the world? Analogy is flawed. That, that what I'm just what I've just presented to you was the entire world learns that they're not alone in the universe uh, and learns that there's non-human tech engaging us in non-humans in August of 1947, okay? And instead, we embargoed that issue, classified it, right? And as far as we know, every, every one of our allied nations went along with it. China went along with it, and so did the Soviet Union. So by the time of the, of the uh, Vietnam War, the difference is, is that there might have been some leaders that knew about it, but the entire world didn't know about it. There hadn't been disclosure. It wasn't a universal truth known throughout the entire planet. And so it's just not the same. And it's, the analogy doesn't hold up. By the And by the time that the Vietnam War comes around in 62, 3, 4, we're already 18 years into the truth embargo, 18 years into the nuclear arms race and so forth. See, the, in, in order to appreciate the concept of the lost century, you literally start at the very beginning and say, what did, what does it mean if the entire world learns they're they're not alone in 47? How and, and then start working your way forward and seeing how it might have affected the, the the countless numbers of decisions that were made by many, many nations, right? That ultimately lead us to 80 some thousand nuclear weapons stockpiled by the mid-1980s a near nuclear war in 62, two or three near nuclear wars and other other situations that we learned about later, right? And a cold war in which every nation in the world lives under the threat of mutual assured destruction, 
almost all the nations have to have a much higher defense posture, meaning everybody's got to have an army, everybody's got to be able to protect, and you've got nine nuclear nations prepared to spend hundreds of trillions of dollars over a period of years and years and years in order to somehow defend themselves against the, the other. the other. And all of that money could not be spent on housing people, clothing people, providing best necessities, thus leaving hundreds of millions of people desperate. And what do, when, what do people do when they don't have food and they don't have water? They get really angry. And so when you get desperate like that, you are prepared to hook onto every despot, every um, lunatic that comes along that says, I can help you if you'll just sign up. And terrorism grows and grows and grows. Terrorism is a direct product of the inability of the 200 nations on this planet to feed, close, have, and, 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 and take care of their people. And so it, 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 to the extent that they don't just kill them, which is why we've had all these genocides, right? right? In other words, look, you're really upset. You're upset with us. Here's how we're going to deal with it. We're going to kill all of you. And we won't have to listen to your beefs anymore. Do you this think we couldn't have solved these problems? Do you think we can't century. solve these problems because we don't have disclosure? Like, do you think that 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 it's impossible to solve these problems now, and that we just need disclosure to? I solve am them? saying that the failure to be able to deal with these issues, the effect of the population increase to eight billion, right, uh, and and the way we've conducted our affairs, the money that we've squandered, right. The, the 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 treaties that never got done uh and of course the effect of of a technology right which has made uh, as technology has advanced over the last uh, 76 years it's it's not only empowered good people it's empowered evil people right sure. i'm saying that our ability to deal with these was in a sense probably lost the day general ramey held a phony press conference, held up some Reynolds wrap and said, no, this was a weather balloon. Yeah. Now this, again, one could debate this and argue about this for the end of time. Sure. I am trying to give context to the ultimate question is this. Given where we are, right, is the embarrassment and the public relations problem that our government will face once they end the truth embargo, right? Worth walking away from the opportunity that worldwide disclosure presents to maybe change the message, change the paradigm, change the way we deal with things and probably lead to major solutions. And I'm saying, of course not, it's not even close. And 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 here's, here's the punchline on this, right? One of the reasons we haven't had disclosure, and there are many, is that, sure, there are plenty of people in government that dread the day they're going to have to fess up. Though many of the, the, the many of the managers of the truce embargo, certainly in its key days, when it was more justified, perhaps, that 50s, the 60s, they're, they're dead, right? So they're gone, okay? But the, the truce embargo still exists, so it's been managed for the last 30 years, there are plenty of people that have been involved in managing it in one way or another is still alive. Okay. So they know that they have a huge public relations problem. They have always known that. And from many of their points of view, it was like, look, someday the people need to know the truth, but not while I'm on the job. 
or preferably not alive. I'd like to be dead or very retired. Then tell them, but not not. That's while the point I'm I was trying to make earlier. Is that okay. that's the point I was trying to make earlier? Is that we'll never we're always in the position of having those people who sure. have the, the right. supposed knowledge. So we're, you know, we're not, it's like it's, it's like people problem. standing in front of a dam, right, or living just a few hundred yards down from a massive dam that's not been maintained. It's been slowly deteriorating for 70 years, right? And it's going to break. And billions of gallons of water are coming down that river, River, you know, Beth? They're all damned. And they're sitting there, you know, going, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm not going to move. Uh, uh, in other words, if that dam's going to break, I hope it breaks after I've either moved or I'm, I'm gone, right? If after that, I don't care. But until then, that dam has got to stay there. Uh-uh. That's not the way the world works. That dam will break when it breaks. And when it does, if you haven't taken the proper steps, you're going to drown. So the truth embargo is about to break. And they've known it for some time. I think I think it really became real. I, I think for a very significant portion of the of the mostly good people that work in, in service to our national security, it became real the day, and, and I know some people laugh a little bit, I don't care. The day that the, the website for the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences was put up on the internet. It was, I believe, October the 11th, I'm close, within a day or two. They then did a, a video that was put out, but initially the website goes up, and I went to it, and I said, well, this is interesting. I knew about Tom DeLonge. I knew he had an interest in the subject going on back to the 90s. I knew he was a rock guy and had a lot of money. So the fact that he was leading something like this didn't shock me. And I read the resumes of those 10 people. Semivan, Justice, Elizondo, Mellon, Rap. Right? Was put off on their team. Put off. I read the resumes and I instantly knew what had happened. That so many people inside our military intelligence complex, the vast majority of them are fine servants of the public interest, had reached a point where they realized this thing cannot stand. And then the question was, I mean, it wasn't like they're all going to get together in a stadium and, and or, or, or march on Washington. The question of what, who would break out? Who would be the group that decides enough is enough and come forward? And it turned out to be those 10. And when those bios went up online that day, I think a whole lot of people in government realized it's just about over. And we're going to have to start dealing with that. And then for those that weren't sure, that maybe it's over and we need to start dealing with that. When the New York Times articles were published about two months later in print, December 16, 17, and online right away, a whole enchilada with the gun camera footage and everything else, many times more people in the government realized it's almost over. So what has happened since then is a very complex process in which the United States government in different ways, at different places, at different times, has been moving to deal with the fact that the dam is going to break. And why? 
I mean, obviously, in the case of the dam analogy, you don't want to drown. In the case of the disclosure version of that analogy, you don't want to be more embarrassed than you have to be. In other words, public relations. And so, so but there some... was another reason. There was another okay. reason, okay, that you've seen all this stuff happening. Two fundamental reasons. How can the United States end up ending the truth embargo and look as good as possible, take as little grief as possible, as few lawsuits as possible, uh, and move forward? In other words, wait, screwed up, so sorry, let's move forward. How can it maximize that? But there was a second problem that I think they've always known for sure is this. Just if, if the, when the president of the United States has got to tell the entire citizens of the United States that, yeah, we've had ET contact. We've had a lot of it. We know about it, or at least we have it now. Okay. The, the basic disclosure is, we, we, is confirming the extra presence now. That's it. Nothing more is needed. You have had disclosure. But at the point that that happens, just the announcement by the president, whether it's our president is first to do it or whether he's the second or third head of state to do it after Xi Jinping, and I don't know, pick another head of state, right? Doesn't matter. Moment the president confirms it, the United States government has got to deal with a huge problem. The yeah, entire problem. country it. is going to want to know everything they want to know it now witnesses are going to be coming forward journalists are going to go crazy the 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 briefing rooms of every every agency the government are going to fill up with journalists with a thousand questions it's going to be chaos it's going to be madness and it's going to be irresponsible and so they also knew that they have got to have as much set up in advance before that announcement comes so that they're ready to rock and roll the day after disclosure, which is, of course, you know, that's another thing I want to mention. That. But the point is, they have to responsibly, they have to be prepared to deal with what will instantly come. And so they set about to do it. Now, it's been six years since those articles in the New York Times. All right. It's not a long time, but I don't think they needed six years to do this. I think they could have gotten this done, could have unfolded faster, three years. But history doesn't care about the, the, the whims of a particular nation or the needs of a particular government. History is what it is, and history has been brutal. All right? And so the switch gets flipped in October and December of 2017. And slowly, I'm sure there's a reaction developing within the military intelligence community, the DOD, the CIA, Department of State, whatever. Anybody that has any interest or cares about this is reacting to this. They're trying to get their head around it. What are we going to do? This is 2007, late 2017, 2018, 2019, two years. There's things happening, I assure you, mostly behind the scenes, but a lot of it was in the public. At Louis Elizondo was was doing a podcast campaign. He was talking to everybody. Very difficult. Very Shouldn't tough, have done that. Shouldn't him. have done that. Yeah, my opinion. Mellon yeah. was already starting to see the political process, probably by going up on the hill and what have you. And they um, and I think they were making progress. And the media was going nuts. I mean, the coverage of the thing just exploded. 
I, I know that because I track the media, right? My website is now up to 15,000 articles. And the number of articles written in the last six years Busy is boy. greater than the previous 15. In yeah. the last three years, it's exploded. The number of articles this year is 1,900. And that's, that's, that's curated out of 4,000. So the media is going nuts. So all this is moving forward. And then what happens? What can I say? The biggest so, global pandemic in history yeah. hits in late 1919. Sure. Not just a bad flu. We're talking about a catastrophe. That I think I've lost the thread of the of the discussion at this point. Where 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 are we driving towards? Like, what is there? Um, but actually, I, I had a question, yeah, yeah, I had a, a question for for uh, Steve because he'd be the the perfect guy to ask. So the point um, I'm making is that things happen that slowed it down. That has stretched it out to six years instead sure. of three, but six years is not that long, and now we're pretty much at the door. Go ahead. Yeah, what I was I was going to say. So um, you were mentioning about like a, the the Cold War. So when we came up, and this is not for you guys; it's more for the the listeners um, to set up my question for for Stephen. Just the, the young people listening to this. If you don't know what the Cold War, you know, yeah, pretty much Gen Z's Cold War. What exactly. Cold War? Yeah, what are you talking about? Was it cold back then? You guys fought in the snow. Uh, but when the, the states came up with the nukes, of course, it was a whole battle back then of who was come up with the nukes first. The states came up with the nukes. The Russians were working on the nukes in other countries. But the Cold War changed things because we had to change our tactics in fighting. We couldn't just go on the ground and fight anymore. Uh, we had to fight beyond the scenes. We had to, we changed our tactics. Uh, war changed because of the Cold War. We learned so much. Sure. But my my thing is with, with the Cold War, you know, like you couldn't just throw a bomb at Russia because Russia would throw another bomb. It's basically a mutual destruction agreement. That's what it is. Mutual sure, destruction. It's but not with, a treaty. It's an no, understanding. Exactly. But my biggest fear with this is if the states come out and say, yeah, we got this technology, we've been reverse engineering, that's the new nuclear weapon and will it create a new seriously it will create a new cold war because now you got russia right. and china that are at it i got and it. you you see what i mean it's it's going to create another polit a geopolitical shift now because whoever gets the most of these technologies now has the nuclear bomb well first of all the technologies are not nuclear secondly uh you're raising a legitimate issue has there been or is there in addition to the nuclear arms race, an ET technology weaponization race, okay? Are there countries who have got more than one country with crash vehicles that have been doing re-engineering so they can weaponize that ET tech, right? And then I don't know, if somebody gets first, they can conquer the world, or if, if everybody kind of gets it at the same time, then we just have a, a higher level version of mutual assured destruction. Okay. Is that is that what's going on? Do you think the evidence does not point to that? There is very little evidence for that. It is an assumption based upon history. In other words, people know how humans have been operating. We know what countries do. We know that if if every if we had that tech and if it could be weaponized, that's what exactly what we're going Cortez. to do. And so, what evidence would yeah. you look for? What what evidence do you think would there be? Of it, I mean, like if it's not nuclear, we're not going to see bomb tests. And from like a normal person's perspective, going out through their daily life, they're they're not going to see anything that would have been evidence of a nuclear arms race, even though it was going on behind the scenes. So, what evidence do you think we could well, have looked again, for? It's not a to, nuclear to arms race. 
the, no, the I'm technology, saying it, there are two technologies that, that they were most concerned in. One is energy and one is uh, propulsion, gravitics. Electro, I mean, electro, anti-gravitic tech, if it were developed by multiple countries, and assuming we don't have a chain, in other words, we don't get this worldview change I'm talking about and start fixing things, which is the Cold War is one of those things that needs to be fixed. What that means is that these countries would have the ability to deliver nuclear weapons in a way that was absolutely unstoppable. Right. And it's worth pointing out that if one country were to achieve anti-gravitic technology ahead of all the others and was so disposed, it could use that anti-gravitic tech to do a surprise attack on some countries That's and deliver yeah. nuclear nuclear explosions uh, in large numbers and increase their chance of winning a nuclear war that that's a legitimate statement except it still wouldn't work right because you would have to have so many saucers and so many anti-gravitic vehicles delivering so many weapons all at once and there's submarines and everything else i assure you there will be a full-out global nuclear war there will be thousands of explosions and it's over. It's the game over. Even if one country got it first, if all of them got it, well, then they could come forward and say, look, we've spent trillions of dollars on anti-gravitic tech. We've developed it uh, to deliver weapons, but we can't because, you know, but if you're a country that doesn't have nuclear weapons or anti-gravitic tech, we now have the ability to obliterate you completely and spare you the pain and suffering of taking years to die, whatever. All of this is in the realm of massive speculation. What we do know is that there is no clear example of anti-gravitic tech being used at all, except, I mean, in the public domain, except in the testing under use of military vehicles. There is evidence that we've got anti-gravitic ability and we fly them, but we're not flying them, I yeah, I mean, you know, we haven't we haven't given the you know secretly given the tech the UPS so that they can get a get a, an edge over Amazon. I mean, no, no. So what, what's it's the evidence? Do you mean like yeah. the B two bomber? Is that is that what you're talking about? I mean, there's some people who claim that it it can't actually lift itself using the conventional propulsion means that it's said to have. Or or do you are there other cases of me, uh, those, those claims do not come from sources for which I would put any credence to at all. There's all kinds of claims out there and speculations on this. Uh, working in this field is dodging as much of that as you can. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it's just part of it. It's just, the truth embargo has given birth to all so much of this. Getting through that and around and, and, and away from it is, is one of the chief things you have to do to be able to be effective at all. So, but, you so know, what, are, what, are, I, what is the evidence then? Sorry, go, go yeah. ahead. No, I was, I was, but I was going to uh, give the potato analogy on this. Yeah. Um, Let's say you have crafts all over. There, there are different, uh, we keep mentioning, or they keep saying there's different types of crafts or whatever, right? But my potato analogy is this. If I give a potato to an Irishman, Irishman makes a stew with the potato. If I give it to somebody, he'll make it different. I'll give it to a Russian, he'll make vodka out of it. Mm -hmm. We, individual as countries, because we're not working together, will come up with different 
technologies from these technologies. So China is going to have different technologies than the Americans are coming up with because their concepts are different. They're going to have a different approach to it. This potato analogy. So even if the states say, hey, we can go up and down with it. Yeah, but we discovered how to not use nukes. We have a sonic wave that eliminates all matter. Now we have a different war. It's not, it's not nuclear anymore. Now you have an alien technology or reverse engineering that we use to create a new, a new weapon. What I mean about the, the crafts, the crafts themselves are not nukes, but the technology that we, homo sapiens, withdraw from it. The first thing we do, Steve, the moment that we come up with something, how can I use it to kill somebody? The microwave in our homes was exactly okay. for that purpose. Um, this is what we do. This is why the military wants that technology is that once I have the weapons that I need, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about the UFOs. But until then, I ain't saying shit. The Cold War that I'm talking about is that the states know that China has them. We know that Russia has them. Russia probably has more than the states do, right? What? 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 Wait a minute. Russia has more crafts, crash crafts than the United States. And do. how do you, what do you base that on? Well, uh, David Grush, I said that there's about nine, possibly 12 crafts. And in yeah. any of the Russian books that you get, they, it's constantly crashes in Russia. They got a bigger mass of land that, you know, if anything's going to happen, they've been working on this and have been revealing information on the Russians, uh, technologies. And the Russians have been a lot, a little bit more, um, I wouldn't say up to the game. It's just, we know a little bit more about what they were doing than what the States are doing. My only fear it's, I, I would love if we could all progressively as a, like as a world go with all oh, the technology is great, but we are Cortez annihilated everybody. Why? Cause he had guns, right? Yeah. He won. So if China comes up with uh, let's say a sonic thing or another, like even the thing about the Havana syndrome, like what the hell is that? It, they think it's a, it's a new weapon. Whoever comes up with that weapon first wins and that's the problem with this. It is a new Cold War. The states want to know what China's coming up with with this stuff. They want to know what Russia. Russia is doing the same. I don't think there's like a lot of superpowers, but the main three superpowers, you damn right, there's a Cold War. It's constantly spying on each other, even uh, – not Ross. Um, yeah, the Cold War is still on, on, on way. Oh, nonstop, nonstop, all, always. But that's what I'm saying is that even if the states come out and say, hey, we have this technology, now these other countries are going to go, okay. So what do you have? Because we know how we work. We know as a species, I, I, anybody could come out. If China comes out and says it first, and so we have technology, we reverse engineer it, I guarantee you we're all shitting our pants, right? So it's I'm no not, different. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm in I'm, Canada. I'm, I'm, I am. That, dude, yeah. You're including, yeah. I'm not going to be shitting in my pants. I am. In Canada, but, we're owned by China. Let, yeah. Let's, uh, look, I, look, I, uh, I'm a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I, I've been swimming in a sea of speculation my entire 26 years. It's everywhere. All right. But I uh, I try to keep basic. I try yeah. to keep close to Occam's razor. Speculation is, is a place for it. And you've got, you do it, and I do it as well. But in the na it's the nature of our time particularly because of social media, which creates echo chambers and feedback mechanisms and so forth, that speculation has been perfected to a fine art, right? And that's not helping. It is human nature, and I get it, but we're going to have to learn to live with it and, and not be overwhelmed by it, okay? And so I appreciate some of the things you're saying, 
but I I'm, a, I'm a chess player. So I always look for the threat. I well, always calculate my moves in advance, right? Like that's the way I think, but that's a scary bit. I mean, I, if the States have it, okay, well, I'm in Canada. I don't, I'm not threatened by the States, but if I'm an yeah. enemy of the States, like if I'm Al Qaeda, for instance, the last thing I want is you as a country to have alien technology, right? Because I'm archaic. I'm still living in like, yeah, you know, if, do if, if we've got it, we've got it, whether you want it or not, whether, whether you like True. it or not. True. In other words, we, it, it is, here, here is a fairly straightforward statement. Okay. Right. It's very likely that more than one country has gotten their hands on crash vehicles. The statement about rushing having the most, I do not know that. I have seen nothing about that. And I, 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 I would have to see a hell of a lot before I'd even go there. Uh, they do have the largest land mass of any country in the world, which in, maybe increases the, the prospects of that. But the most of the crashes are from earlier times. The United States was the first nuclear power. We seem to get a lot of extent, uh, attention early on. And as the nuclear weapons started to spread, it may be that, that these other countries were getting attention as well. But there is no basis to know what the actual crash vehicle count is anywhere. There is the, the one book, in fact, I've got it right here. The one person who's done the most research on this is my, hang on, my good friend and colleague, Ryan Wood. And years ago, he wrote a book called Magic Eyes Only. Magic Eyes Only, okay. This is now the upgraded second edition. In the first book, he put forward the evidence for 75 crashes. And he scanned everything he could scan. I mean, he, he, he's a pretty good guy, pretty smart. He has just updated it. And the new book has 100. All right. And so this book, if you want to you get into the, the crash vehicle issue, would be the absolute resource. And when you what you will find is that each of these potential crashes has a certain degree of evidence. And he acknowledges this. Some have this much. Some have this. Some have this. He's included some where there's at least enough evidence to indicate a possible crash. But clearly, the evidence for all 100 is by, by, by no means the same. And so that's like the definitive thing. Now, does that mean that he knows or has access to the, the information about every crash? No, we just don't know. But if we can also say that any advanced nation that gets their hand on a crash vehicle is going to exploit it to the absolute max that it can. Countries that are not advanced enough to do that are gonna turn it over to somebody else. Uh, there is one, I think, substantive story that South Africa had a crash event, turned it over to the United States. Right. It's possible there was one in Mexico, turned it over to the United States. Um, uh, but obviously other situations could have gone different. I could imagine a crash vehicle anywhere in Southeast Asia might have been turned over to China. Don't know. But we will assume, I think with high confidence, that we are not the only nation that has crash vehicles. Okay. The second thing is that what do we know about these vehicles? We know they're anti-gravitic. 
and we are pretty confident they're using an, a, a, a an energy system which is different from what we have all right that's what we know they don't fire weapons right there's no indication whatsoever of weaponry right um and beyond you know those two fundamental things a different energy system and and the ability to deal with gravity in a certain way and possibly the the ability to go interstellar and this is where it gets a little complicated because i'm still of the mind until convert convinced otherwise that these saucers that we see or equivalents are not star to star that the vehicles that go to star to star are bigger and different uh motherships they're referred to so it's possible that the interstellar tech is not present in the saucers and i don't think we have a crass mothership but again speculation so we got two texts there now just from those two texts right it doesn't automatically follow that all these potential massive incredible weapon systems can be developed right more likely what we'll get is a better understanding of physics and science that will open some interesting doors and might open the door for possibly some exotic weapon systems that are profoundly destructive. But let me point out something that maybe you don't know that I like to remind people. And it's one of these things. It's just, you know, it's funny how the, 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 the truth embargo has created these kind of what I call truth vacuums where stuff just disappears, right? The United States has been working on antimatter weapons for decades. You know what an antimatter weapon is? It's really simple. All you have to do is come up with a means to collect antimatter and maintain it safely within a sufficiently powerful magnetic field. This concept has been around for some time. Dan Brown put it into his book, Angel, Angels, something, Angels and something. What was the thing in that book? Angels and... Angels Angel and leaders. demons or something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, and 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 they made a great movie out of it, and the movie includes this technology in it. All right now, the re the, the the problem with antimatter weapons is that it's really difficult to create and capture antimatter, but it's mostly an engineering issue. If you could solve it, if you could come up with a way to do it, then you could accumulate significant amounts of it in terms of the magnetic fields that are necessary to quote suspend it right in a vacuum that's nothing but engineering as well we've been working on it for years in the year 1999 and i can check on this it's either 1999 or 2000 an article out of nowhere appeared in the washington post in which it talked about the fact that the air force was working on antimatter weapons. Now I read that and I said, that's not good. And so I put out an update on it, right? Something about let, you know, should pay attention to this, right? Because it's in my, you know, the way I think about these things and issues and the fact that the truth embargo is is uh, 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 part of a massive secrecy world that is dangerous to us. Haven't seen an article since, nothing, 
zero. There might be some stuff in some remote press or some, you know, very deeply hard to find journals, but overall, nothing. Why? Because that wasn't supposed to come out. Now, why, why am I making such a big deal out of this? It's very simple. The gen, you know, a lot of people, uh, uh, physics is not getting taught as much as it used to be. It right? should be, yeah. It's like, you know, and the high school dropout rate is astronomical. And so, you know, the number of people that would understand what the hell an antimatter weapon was is very small, even if it, even though it was in the movie Angels and Demons or whatever the hell it is. It's simple. Antimatter are antiprotons, antielectrons. They are exactly the same in mass, but they have a different charge. When you bring antimatter together with matter, the entire matter is converted to energy. Okay? Now, to put that in perspective, the two bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki converted a tiny fraction of matter, less than a dime, right? I forget the percentage of a dime. It might be a quarter of a dime. That much matter is what was converted to energy that destroyed Nagasaki in Hiroshima. Isn't that crazy? If you could collect enough antimatter to, to be the equivalent of a bowling ball, and you brought that antimatter bowling ball together with a real bowling ball, it would destroy the entire continent of North America. Yeah. The entire continent of gone. north america yeah. that's how physics works and our air force has been working on antimatter weapons for decades and so if you're really worried about this weapon issue you shouldn't be worried about what we may be garnering from 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 et technology that we have worry about what we're doing with the, the basic physics that we already know about and so the real point is this the threat to the United States and to the human race is not from extraterrestrials or even extraterrestrial technology. The greatest threat to humans is humans and the way we conduct ourselves, the decisions we make. And until we change that, we are all living on the edge of a volcano. And the point that I have made all along is every reason that has been brought to my attention in 26 years, why disclosure is not the way to go, is bogus. Every one of them is bogus. It does not hold up. It is a rationale, it is an effort to deflect. It's a, it, it comes from a sense of insecurity or fear. It comes from not knowing the real things that are going on non-extraterrestrial, uh, right? And the world we're living in. We are absolutely on the, the cusp of destroying ourselves and the planet, right? Yeah. The planet will go on. Life will continue. We just won't be part of it, right? Well, let's hope. Let's hope it doesn't come down to that. You know what? Time super flies whenever you're on. We always have a great conversation. It's the first time that I had a philosopher, a professor philosopher, on with you, uh, Michael. You've asked some really great questions. And I got you know time. I can go on as long as you want. Yeah, well, actually, Michael and Michael's got a, a jet here on. He's I, have an, an I have another interview to do at four thirty. So, yeah. um, uh, you got twenty minutes. Yeah, I do. I tell you what, <laughs> ask me a couple of questions. I promise short answers. I'll give you short answers. I promise. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give you one. I'll give you one question that I, that I do want uh, an answer to. 
Can you imagine a possible scenario where the truth that is being hidden, if you knew it, you wouldn't want to disclose it? Can you imagine a possible truth that if you knew it, you Good would question. say it would be better not to disclose? I can imagine some awful truths, right? I once talked to Art Bell about doing an awful truth show where we would take each one and, and break it down. I can imagine some awful truths, but, and I can imagine that there would be people that would not want to know those awful truths. There are people that go to the doctor and they're diagnosed with cancer that, but then they know they might be, they don't want to know. In other words, you diagnose me, but don't tell me what it is. Right. Hmm. I don't want to know. You just keep it from me. Uh, there are some that won't even go because they don't want to know. There are such people. That's okay. My dad, I, my I, dad I accept like that, that. All right. Yeah. But, there is a larger, what I call higher law here that I apply, which gives me uh, the, the answer to my que your question is basically no. The idea that a limited number of people ascribe to themselves the privilege and power of knowing something so awful and then making the decision that nobody else can know this but me, but us, because we are superior, we are uh, more important, we can handle the truth, others can't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It just violates a fundamental higher law. It is a massive act of ego. It is a complete separation when I consider it a fundamental law. In other words, how on earth and, and, and we're not talking one or two people. We'd be talk, we're talking thousands of people now because the fundamental truth of the ET presence is known by a lot of people. How can a thousand or so people be so self-important and so a level of, of an ego that thinks that only we can handle this, nobody else can, and we're not going to give you the opportunity to even deal with it so that you can decide how to conduct your life, what how to do your affairs, and how to deal with the end of whatever the hell is coming, right? In other words, you're just going to be surprised by it, right? And 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 we're saving you that. We're, we're not going to upset you with this news. So you can just lead your life until, boom, it's over. It is so fundamentally egregious as a violation of natural law. Nobody has that kind of privilege. Nobody should have that privilege. I and love his anger because I feel that. Yeah, should be gone, right? Yeah. I don't want, I, go away. And that's the way it is right now, if that is the case. But I have I've seen too many things. I've, I know too much to know. That is simply not the case. The awful truth scenario is void. But it is a wonderful little trick for the truth embargo managers to play in us. In other words, believe me, the people that have been keeping this under control for their own reasons and managing it for all these years, they will not hesitate to leak it out or put it into play to, oh my God, the truth is so awful. You don't even want to know. So don't write the books. Don't have a podcast. Don't go out and look at sightings. Don't go to the press. Don't call us up on the phone. One minute. Just leave us alone. Because it turns out that it's so awful that only we can really know about it. Uh-uh. I ain't buying that. I'm never going to buy it. No, nothing. If there was an ask, you know, remember the book, Don't Look? They made a movie. This, this idea has been around. 
right? In various forms and fashion. But the recent example was Don't Look, this really cool movie. There's an asteroid coming and they, nobody, you know, it's like, and it comes That's what down the media is like, doing, though, with this issue, though. That's exactly yeah. what they're doing with this issue. And if there's an asteroid coming, and a lot of people knew about it, they'd say, well, you know, we're not going to tell the planet because let them enjoy the remainder of their life. And then, boom, the asteroid hits. That movie was kind of about that. And, you know, all I can say is don't put me in the same room with that asshole, mm. right? That's saying, yeah. yeah, I know about the asteroid, but I'm not telling because I'll, no, don't put me in the same because I'll kill the son of a bitch, right? Because that person really doesn't deserve to stay around any longer. If there's an asteroid coming, like the Chickaloob asteroid, right, then everybody in this planet needs the opportunity to know it, take what measures they can, or at least put their affairs in order. No one has the right to withhold that kind of information. And only in the hyper, the hyper secret world of the post, you know, of the post, uh, I mean, the, uh, the Cold War. Only in that world have we got people thinking that way. It's a byproduct of the nuclear age. It's a byproduct of testing those bombs and dropping them on Hiroshima. And I'll tell you something else. The ETs are fully aware of this. The ETs know all about this. Not only have they followed it on Earth, they have seen it before. This is not their first radio. And when you examine the ETs activities... What you conclude, and at least I conclude, is that they are actually operating and doing things in such a way so that we can get the hell out of this mess, right? In other words, they, they're not particularly keen on the idea of, of us destroying, destroying this wonderful civilization that we spent so many billions of years getting to, as well as, you know, putting the earth through another, you know, hellacious period, not that the earth won't survive it. And that, and that is why I always end most of my talks with this. It isn't just about disclosure. It is about open contact. I don't care how many treaties we have with them or whether we have no treaties with them. I don't care whether we've had formal engagement or not. There are plenty of contactees in the government. They know about the ET presence and some of them are actually contactees. The point is, it's this. Disclosure is probably a necessary, at least until we have interstellar travel. Once we have interstellar travel, well, what, what is going down has to be completed before we get interstellar drive, because that's a problem for them and they're not going to allow it. So assuming interstellar drive is still 10, 20, 30 years away, and I mean that it's not far away, disclosure is probably the door to open contact. So we're not just talking about disclosure. We're talking about open contact. And so the worldview change that I'm referring to will come not just from the disclosure event, which is massive but from the open contact that takes place, which will be also pretty significant, meaning they are in open contact with us and everybody knows it. And we're getting feedback from what, what, who's talking to who and about what. And I have made the point over and over again, the number one topic of discussion when there is quote, open acknowledged contact and communication between humans, their governments and the ETs is nukes nukes it has always been about the nukes and let me explain let me add this all that research we've been doing on anti-matter weapons that's a nuclear weapon right and so the ets are watching some people who have got twenty-six thousand nukes submarines satellites planes missiles hypersonic missiles 
on the verge of blowing themselves to hell at any minute while they're working on potentially the most dangerous weapon in the world. Uh, antimatter is the most dangerous weapon in the world. There's nothing that can touch us with it. And they're, and, they're, and they're active and doing all this stuff, turning off our weapons, showing themselves while we move toward disclosure. There's a lot more going on here than somebody knows an awful truth that we can't know. It's I assure a, you. It's a big bag of what the hell I know. And the thing is, you know, as long as we've been investigating this and looking into it, it's just like, oh man, it's like, there are things. It's like, if there's complications, there's, there's issues that need to arise. Then those issues will bring more issues. Like it is the most important subject in the world. And, and is. this is why, this is why we do what we do because it's like when people clue into this, they're going to want answers and they're not going to get all the answers from the government. The government will say, they're here. We got bodies. That's it. Good night. No, 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 They're not going to reveal everything. everything no, Steve. There's no way. Look, if, if, if you, if you read the original Senate bill that Schumer and rounds put in, the bill was the entire disclosure process. It was the entire infrastructure. It was everything to get it out of the secret world into the, into the archives, putting it out to the public, as possible, holding some things back. It was an entire disclosure control plan, which is what they called it. They called the bill the UAP Disclosure Act. They are heading towards. Yeah, it, there's a little setback here because some, you know, things got a little weird. I get it. One and long one matter. They are setting up to be able to start disclosing all of this to us. There'll be plenty to start with. It will take years, but we'll get plenty of good things right away. Not just us, but the entire world. They're setting up to do that. It's obvious. Now, and there'll be plenty of really interesting conversations to have at that point, too. Guys, oh yeah, have... after disclosure starts, let me tell you, you're <laughs> gonna, you're gonna, you're going to see in your lifetime the most extraordinary era of reform. You're going to see the most extraordinary uh, engagement of an issue and an intensity and scope un unseen in all of history. It's going. To, it's it's impossible to describe what is going to take place in the first year or two after disclosure. I just I'm just glad it looks like I'm going to be alive to be there for it. You gentlemen are younger. I'm You're young enough that you may even go to the stars, frankly, because interstellar travel is 30 to 40. I mean, 30 years away, maybe even less. Again, that's a whole nother topic. I can go into it sometime, but I, I know the physicists that can talk to you about that. The point is, is that you're going to see all of that. Right. It's awesome. I, and so stop worrying about these awful truths and 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 and, uh, you know, um, killing weapons and a new. Well, you know what? Uh, the world has a track record, my friend. So we're, we're just is, being cautious. Past, right. The past yeah. is not prologue. The yeah. reason this is so important is because this is, in fact, a deviation from that world we know so well. Yeah. Right. If in other words, this is not a continuation of the last 10,000 years because if it was I wouldn't be I wouldn't be talking to you guys I'd be partying or whatever or join myself or getting addicted to something you still right? can. Why, <laughs> why would I do it yeah th th we're we're headed for an extraordinary new future I believe and it cannot be the past the past has been pretty awful humans have done their thing we've gotten better and better at it we're a danger to ourselves. We're a danger to every living thing on the planet. We have to change. Okay. And this may be the pathway to change. If, well, if there's no so. other pathway that I'm aware of. 
Yeah. Steve, well, thank you so much for being here. Where can our listeners find out more about you and follow what you're doing next? Paradigmresearchgroup.org. You can join, you can uh, you can subscribe there to my my email list. Please Tons of stuff on, on there, guys. Go check it out for sure. Tons of follow stuff. Follow me on follow me on Twitter at, at Steve Bassett. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at the Conscious Life Expo, Feb 9. Nice. I'm going to be speaking at the con Contact in the Desert, May 30. Right. These are the multiple days. These are big events. May 30, Contact in the Desert is going to be huge. Huge. huge Go huge. to. I am conducting an activist maneuver right now to try to get the hearings in front of the, the Senate Intel Committee we have to have before President, Obama, uh, President uh, uh, Biden can confirm. And it's called Shift Storm, S-H-I-F-T, shiftstorm.org. You can go there and see how you can message the three key members of the Senate Intel Committee, uh, or the three key senators that have the, the ability to call those hearings. And we want those hearings in January, shiftstorm.org. And we are looking for new founding members, both in the UAP world and the Hollywood world, for the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance.org, which my partner and I founded uh, back in uh, November, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. We're looking for founding members. If you've got a track record in Hollywood or a track record in the UAP research activist world, get in touch with me, go to the site, get in touch with Dan Harari, my partner, uh, and we may be able to add you to the founding members. This is a significant project in its early days, but it's going to become, I think, a big thing. There you Perfect. go. That's Steve, it's always great to have you on, my man. Always a good conversation. We're never shy of something. I love the ideas and concept and even like throwing things out there to it's not a it's not a it's not arguing. You're just saying, hey, what about this? What about that? I love that. And this is what we need in this community. I think too many people are I don't know, sort of bent on their own thing, but it's awesome to be able to discuss this. Guys, we are going to be back with a plenty more episodes. This is our first episode of the year, so I'm super happy. Uh, Michael, we're going to let you go, my man, because we've only got another interview. And uh, guys, again, if you could subscribe to the YouTube channel, help us out. Spotify is great. We're nearing a million almost downloads now, uh, but the YouTube is still new. We need people to go over to it. So awesome guys. Thank you so much, Steven, my man, have a great day. I'll, uh, I'll text you later. I got the name for your book. I seriously got it. Awesome. Michael, guys. Send me your email. Get Absolutely. In touch with me. Send me your email. Let's, let's start talking. All righty. Awesome. Take care guys. Bye.